Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. This week, I cover failures and successes of hunting public land for the 2021 season. All right, good evening. So it is Halloween night when I'm recording this. And basically what this episode is going to be about is just kind of going over what I've ran into so far uh, trying to hunt on public land this year. You know, For this year, I've made a goal for myself to try to get a buck on public land with my bow. So I've been pushing really hard to try to accomplish that goal, but it has been extremely difficult so far this year. You know, last year I had quite a bit of success with most of the spots that I had hunted. I had good amount of deer uh, movement within that area and actually drew on uh, a couple of bucks. So going into this season, I figured that essentially I would hunt those same spots and get close to the same you know, levels of success. But that has not been the case at all. You know, more, Many of the spots that I had hunted last year, it seems that things have changed to where there's very little deer movement in that area and I haven't been seeing the, the amount of sign or fresh sign in, the, in those areas uh, like I did the year before. And then one other thing I was wanting to focus on is hunting some of the marsh land area uh, on the public land area that I do hunt. And the idea was to try to you know hunt those main trails that are cutting through the marsh, you know, heading to the hardwoods as well as into the bedding areas. And I had focused on that for Oh gosh, probably the first couple weeks of the season, there was plenty of sign and you know definite sign that there are deer trails and, and movement through there. But the times I hunted, I didn't see any of that movement or didn't see the deer in that area. And if I did, they would be you know all the way across the marsh and and not very often. And I pretty quickly realized that I didn't spend nearly as much time uh, scouting trying to get eyes on the deer. Uh, before season you know I should have done more summer scouting to really pinpoint you know which of the trails were really ultimately being used more frequently Uh, even should have done some you know observation sits uh, just you know setting up on one end of the marsh and just seeing you know what comes through what time of day you know that type of thing or even should have set up some cameras you know I had you know, made the th- I made the thought to put out cameras, but I'm just a little gun shy about putting cameras on public land. You know, just worried about them potentially getting messed with or stolen or anything like that. And then there's a little part of me that kind of wanted to just kind of focus on hunting the sign and just being surprised at what was there. But by doing that, I realized I, you know, added some additional challenge to myself that I wasn't quite prepared for. And ultimately, after hunting that first couple of weeks and not really getting any of the, you know, the success that I hoped for or thought I would get, you know, hunting this area, I began to realize that, you know, I was wanting this idea to work uh, too much and was hanging on to it too hard. You know, I got married to the idea of, you know, having having it happen on the marsh where, you know, I needed to step back and, you know, really rethink that, you know, it wasn't going to happen, at least the way I was doing it. I needed to change gears a little bit. The downfall is, is that by the time I decided that I wanted to make that move, you know, I was kind of already missing 
you know, kind of what my next strategy was going to be. You know, it was really going to focus on, you know, that mid-October getting into, you know, what would be considered the lull. You know, I knew of some good staging areas where, you know, there were some oaks and whatnot. But I just simply, by time I got to, you know, double checking and scouting those areas again to see if there was deer there, it was clear that the deer have already really been, you know, hammering that area and that there really any, there really weren't any acorns really left, uh, at least that I haven't been able to find so far. You know, they may be still coming in there and, you know, getting up those last few stragglers, but I had missed a good majority of, you know, that acorn crop in those areas that I had initially, you know, had marked on my map. So I kind of feel like I've kind of missed the boat on that one. You know, I didn't make the change quite quickly enough uh, to capitalize on that type of deer movement. So my next backup plan was to hunt some older clear cuts. Now these clear cuts have been cut, you know, somewhere between three to five years, I think. Um, I actually don't remember how long ago they were cut. So based on my scouting efforts, you know, I focused on the edge. Basically, it was kind of like the northern edge of the of this public land area. So it was actually getting somewhat closer to some private land. It was basically like a tree farm up there. Whereas some of the other areas, uh, more in the central part of the, you know, the clear cuts are more, you know, within the confines of the public land area. You know, they're, they're hunted pretty hard on those other edges. So I tried to focus on one that may not get as much attention. So essentially just focusing on hunting that edge between the clear cut and where the hardwoods, you know, kind of meet again. And then I use again, looking at the topographic maps, you know, essentially there was uh, two kind of hilltops or, I mean, they would be very, very slight ridges, but um, basically two high points that run perpendicular to the edge of the woods uh, all the way down the length of this clear cut to the main two track on the other side. And there's a little valley in between. So I focus on that far edge next to the wood line and then within the area of that little valley with those two high points as well. And then, you know, the first hunt that I finally got to that clear cut, it was October 20th. And fortunately, it was the very first sit in that morning. And sure enough, there was uh, a pretty good buck that, you know, came through. Uh, within that area that I was. Now, it was about 135 yards away from me, uh, so not quite in the right spot for me, but certainly a good sign that, you know, I kind of picked a good spot where there was some buck movement there. And this buck, I kind of guesstimated um, either a, a big two-and-a-half-year-old or or a decent-sized uh, three-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, basically, again, he came out at 135 yards, so I didn't get a real good look at him uh, up close, at least initially. But that was kind of what I was guessing and realized it was a pretty darn good buck. So you know, I was heading out of the clear cut back into the hardwoods. And you know, at that distance, I just figured give him a give him a little contact grunt, see how he reacts to it. And so I gave him a little grunt, got his attention, and sure enough, he started proceeding towards my direction. Now he ended up making it to about 80 yards and kind of started to lose interest. So I ended up giving him another grunt and he came in again another, well, he came into probably somewhere around 40 to 38 yards. But of course he ended up stopping behind some pine trees and you know wouldn't proceed any closer, uh, basically looking for that buck that he had heard. Once he didn't see it, 
then he again lost interest and proceeded on into the woods again. So with that first with that first encounter, you know, I was quite eager to get back in there and see if I could capitalize on him. So essentially what I did was I moved, you know, about 30 yards from where I saw him come through the first time. Again, sitting in another morning. This is probably about three or four days after. Sure enough, I see him again, but this time he's coming out of the woods into the clear cut and he's in between where I'm at now and where I had set up last time. So and it kind of caught me off guard a little bit because essentially I had the same or nearly the same weather conditions as the first time. So I anticipated that he'd be still coming out of the clear cut, but no, lo and behold, he came from the opposite direction coming out of the cover into the opening. And then he proceeded to head further into the clear cut area. Again, tried giving him a little contact grunt. He stopped, looked my direction, stood there for a few seconds, twitched his tail, and then proceeded to just continue on his way. Didn't even uh, blink an eye of trying to come my way. So again, another three or four days later, went out there to try to get him again. Again, switched trees a little bit. Basically, I picked a spot that's essentially right in between the two spots where I'd seen him last time, just trying to split the difference. Well, last there was no uh, sign of any deer that day. So, I, but I was I was sitting there. You know, I did you know consider you know where he might be going, his travel route. And did notice from the past two times that as he was coming through, he was kind of funneling a little bit closer to one edge or, or one of those high points where some of the trees were a little bit more grown up, a little bit more mature, um, providing a little bit more cover. So I decided after that sit to kind of scout along that, along that high point and then follow it up to the two track where the road was and started looking at some of the you know, tracks as they cross. And as I got closer to that two track, you know, a more defined trail uh, began to appear. And on the two track, there was clearly multiple deer that had been crossing in that area. So with that additional intel, I ended up moving once more again, putting myself a little bit closer to that two track in that little bit more uh, confined area where I figured that you know, because of the cover that the buck might be skirting a little bit closer there, potentially getting getting in the range a little bit easier. So another four days or so, and I proceeded to sit another morning, getting at about the time that that buck had showed up the previous two times. Um, and that's actually one thing I didn't cover is that this buck, the two times I did see him, showed up within about 15 minutes of each other. I was looking at about 8.15, 8.30, uh, between the two two uh, sightings. So we got in about 8.30 or so, didn't see him, hit about 9 o'clock, and start seeing a doe crossing from the two-track. And she was kind of trotting along and ended up stopping behind some trees and then proceeded to um, very hastily run back across the road. And then, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what had happened and no, there's no way it would have smelt me or anything like that because the wind was to my face. And next thing I know, I see a head poking out, and it was that buck again. Uh, so she must have crossed the road and then ran into the buck and didn't want anything to do with him. So she took off, and he proceeded to milly around, kind of sniffing around where she had been, and then uh, was acting like he was about to start walking off again. So 
Once again, gave him a little contact grunt, got his attention, and he proceeded to make his way towards me. Now, at this point when I saw him, he was about 60 yards out, and then he proceeded to only make it in about another 10 yards to about 50. Kind of again, do the same thing, looking around, looking for that buck that he had heard. Couldn't find anything, so he proceeded to walk off, and again, he went off in a completely different direction where instead of either heading towards the two-track or heading back into the woods... He kind of cut diagonally across the clear cut, basically just walking completely straight away from me, which again was a direction I wouldn't have expected him to really start traveling considering the fact that most of the trails and everything like that show movement, you know, running from the woods to the clear cut and vice versa. So again, proceeded to switch trees here. I basically sat on the other side of the, of that, uh, kind of more confined cover area because the wind was going to switch directions on me, so I wanted to hunt on the other side of it, which wasn't at the time a bad idea, seeing as how that's the uh, side that he was more on when I saw him last time. So I decided to sit for an evening sit, kind of change it up a little bit. Ended up seeing a doe that had made her way out from the woods into the clear cut and proceed off in another direction again. So kind of a slow evening, so decided to sit. Uh, that next morning in the same tree, seems how the wind was going to still be in my favor for that spot. No buck showed up, but did end up seeing six does, and they uh, came across the two-track and basically traveled along that other high point on the other side of the little valley. So with their you know, observed movement, because that was really the first big group of does that I'd seen uh, other than that, that single doe in that area outside of the buck that I've been trying to you know catch up with so once i decided to get down for the morning i made my way over there onto that side just kind of see what it is that why the does were over on that side while i was over there pretty much saw that there was uh plenty of uh you know extra buck sign over there as well as some pretty predominant trails so it almost seemed like it was the more uh use uh side of the the little valley there than the side i was on so did a little bit more scouting and found actually again more rubs than you know I had on the other side. I actually found what looks to be a few buck beds uh, in the midst of all those rubs as well. So it does appear to be a little bit better of an area. But it just seems like this buck is a little unpredictable. You know, again, I haven't, you know, had a lot of encounters with you know more mature bucks out on public land areas. So I don't know if it's just that he's just an older buck and a little bit wiser to, you know, is not as predictable as some of the younger ones are, or if he's just that random of a deer that is not consistent on any of his movements, it seems. On the private piece that I hunt, you know, most of that deer movement is pretty predictable. You know, I can almost, you know, venture to say exactly where any bucks might come from or what direction they would come from. No, not necessarily always know what days they'd come through, but know from what areas they would appear from. But this bug so far, aside from kind of the same time of day, uh, doesn't really have any tendencies that I've been able to pinpoint yet as to, you know, his direction of travel or exactly where he'll be from, from one day to the next. But now that I've hunted this spot six times, you know, there are some issues that are starting to arise or things I'm starting to become worried about. You know, out of the six hunts, I've seen this buck three of the six times. So 50% of the time, it actually isn't too bad. 
considering the fact that I'm basically out in a, a clear cut still and haven't really pushed too far into you know any type of sanctuary area or potential bedding area that I know of. And the fact that I haven't exactly hunted the exact same spot, you know, too often, um, that may be also, you know, playing into my hand as well, making it to where I'm not quite as patternable as well. But the, the question still remains, you know, am I hunting this spot too much? Or am I spending too much time in this area? And do I need to go to find another spot? But then on the flip side of that, you know, I know that this deer's here and I really haven't had an encounter where it was, you know, a hard bump or anything like that where he completely spooked out from either winning me or, you know, really spotting me or really getting, you know, blown out of the area. I have that predicament where, do am I hunting too much? Am I hunting this area too hard? Am I pressuring it too much? Or have I been smart with my placement and my access routes to where uh, that area is not getting too hot yet to where, you know, the, the deer movement is still quite consistent. And some of the pressure is on too. You know, we are at the end of October and I've yet to get a deer. So how much time do I really want to spend trying to hunt a particular buck? Or do I just need to find an area where there's plenty of deer movement and just harvest a deer just to get that freezer full? And then always in the back of my mind too is what's happening in some of my other hunting areas. Having spent so much time focusing on this one spot, you know, am I missing something at those other spots? Uh, especially having not been there for a few weeks now. You know, those deer are certainly not pressured in that area. It may be a good time to slide in there and see what's, what's moving around there. Or should I even just go kind of give up on my, you know, public land goal and head to the private spot where I've got food plots planted. I know the deer movement there quite well and just, you know, hunt the area that I, that I know. And again, there I've got you know, plenty of does that can, I can harvest. So even though it was late in the season, if I needed to fill that freezer, you know, there's a good chance that I would have encountered with a deer that I could be able to do that. So now I'm running that, you know, potential risk of paralysis by analysis where, you know, I start doubting what I'm doing, start thinking of all the other factors, all the other spots I could be doing, going to all the other things I could be doing. And this has the potential to make it hard to make a decision on what's the right choice. But there has been some good that has come forward so far as well. You know, some of the spots that I have scouted, you know, have panned out. You know, this clear cut example is a really good one where where I utilize the map as well as, you know, looking at the cover and knowing that, you know, within that clear cut, you know, there's a food source there available for deer. So it's going to have a high draw for, you know, deer and deer movement. So some of that scouting has paid off. Uh, finding new locations and now you know with this season you know I've had several encounters with a, a nice mature buck and haven't completely blown it blown the you know the, the situation to where you know I either completely spooked him out of the area or you know made a bad shot or him, on him or anything like that or made a bad choice essentially and this year with having you know tried hunting with a saddle for the first time this year you know with that mobile you know, mindset of being able to, you know, move from location to location, adjust from one tree to the next as needed. You know, I do feel like I've been able to make those adjustments uh, with that setup. I do feel comfortable with, you know, teardowns and, you know, hanging a new set every time. You know, it is a lot of work. 
uh, I'm realizing it is a bit of a, a bit of a hassle. It feels like, um, you know, the first few times that I did it, it seemed like it was you know the greatest thing in the world. You know, I don't know, you know why anyone would you know hang a permanent set or anything like that when you could just always tear down and put it back up again. But now that I've had you know a dozen plus hunts under my belt so far for the season, it it is getting a little old to you know carry everything in, put everything up, tear it all back down again, carry it out. So there is a little bit of growing pains with, you know, always changing where you're hunting. And this year, you know, last year I started really focusing on my access routes. And this year I feel like I've uh, become much better at it where, you know, even with some of these spots that are I haven't hunted before, you know, once I've scouted it, kind of know the area that I want to be at, I've been a lot better at being able to quickly identify where my access route should be to be able to get in and out. And even to be able to adjust that for the wind. So if the wind is coming out of a different direction, you know, where I need to park and what direction I need to come from. And I believe that has helped out again with being able to hunt this buck so many times and not have it be a complete bust or have it to where, you know, I'm not seeing any deer in the area for me over hunting it. But looking so far through the month of October and how things have gone, you know, there's definitely some things I need to work on. The, really, the first one is uh, knowing where to be throughout the, te- throughout the season, uh, through the month of October. You know, I, seen, I thought I had a good idea or plan of what, when to be in certain areas and when to you know, change gears and whatnot. But I seem to have kind of missed the boat on that this year. You know, again, I put too much focus, I think, on that marshland and hunting you know, I was hoping that, you know, within that marsh being next to some egg, egg fields and some clear cuts, um, you know, I thought that maybe the deer would be in there and then making their way out to those egg fields, um, you know, for like the evening feeds and whatnot. So I think I had the right idea, but I just didn't have the right spot in that regard. And then I kind of missed that, that time frame for the really good acorn hunting. So I needed to do a better job of keeping an eye out on when those acorn drops are really getting into their prime and key on on those as having gone through you know after now that most of those acorns are gone i do see that there's plenty of deer sign that you know there was there's definitely some concentration around those oak trees and i missed it and another thing is being a little bit quicker at being able to understand the deer movement that i'm observing and adjusting before it's a little bit too late. I do feel like from those first couple of sits of seeing that buck move uh, towards the direction of that crossing along the road, I should have been a little bit quicker to identify that and to be able to make a move on that without that additional sit. So that's one thing I'm gonna try to focus on uh, throughout the rest of the season and especially to be able to improve on for next year is you know, being able to interpret the the movement and the sign that you see to um, be able to make a lot quicker decision on what needs to be done or what where you need to be and when. And to be able to identify that when I look at the when the maps, looking at the terrain um, in comparison to the sign I'm seeing or the deer movement as well. And then even though I've been doing a pretty good job with it this year, you know, one thing I always have an issue with is trying to make sure I'm staying disciplined when it comes to calling. 
you know, there's, especially there's times even having these few encounters with this buck where I get really anxious and want to really just want to start calling to him right away and start getting a little aggressive with it. And I just have to keep reminding myself to, to not get, uh, <laughs> carried away, uh, when it comes to trying to call for, call at a deer. But I did pretty good so far of just, you know, calling at it, get his attention and see just seeing how the deer reacts. So, you know, not overcalling, not really letting them pinpoint exact, my exact location or to peg me in the tree as they're pinpointing where exactly that sound's coming from. And then another thing I'm still focusing on, essentially almost after every hunt that I do, at least every morning hunt, is doing some additional in-season scouting. You know, I'm a big component to in-season scouting, uh, especially if you feel like you're not quite in the right area or if there's you know, some other areas that you still believe might be good for that time frame. So after a hunt, I go through, pick an area, do a quick speed scout, see if there's any sign or if the terrain looks good or if the cover looks right. If it doesn't, I back out. If it does, I, you know, potentially, you know, look for a potential tree that I could hunt from and get out of there for the next, you know, potential hunt where where if the sign looks good enough, I'll go in there and hunt. If not, I'll put down a back burner to, you know, either have it as a backup spot or in the off season, go back in there and really do a deep dive and really dissect that area. So, and especially this time of year, you know, there's a, you know, uptick in the, the amount of buck sign, you know, a lot of fresh rubs throughout those woods, you know, even spots that, you know, I scouted a couple of days ago, noticing, you know, additional rubs that are in there. Now, the one thing I haven't found very many is of scrapes. Now, in the past couple of years, I haven't been finding that many scrapes. I just don't know if I'm just not looking in the right areas or I'm just hunting areas that, you know, there's not very many scrapes being made. And especially this year, I found maybe two small scrapes so far throughout the season. And they seem like they're, you know, certainly not a scrape that's being visited, you know, frequently. So again, with the in-season scouting, I'm still, you know, keen on the terrain. I'm looking at those topo maps, you know, anywhere where I see some significant changes of terrain or the, any of those, uh, you know, cave features that you're looking for. And then I switch it over to the more or less satellite imaging and any spot that correlates with a good terrain feature if there's also you know a, a basically a good section of food or cover in the same area or anything that really looks different so if it looks like there's a really thick pines and then it opens up to the open field or if it changes from you know pines into more hardwood you know anywhere where you see a definite change in how the cover looks from the satellite imaging that could be a good place to key in on as well and then right now, big on sign right now. So, you know, there's going to be plenty of fresh rubs and scrapes if you're in the right spot or, or good at finding them. And really when I'm looking for that sign, you know, I ask myself a few different questions. You know, how, how much sign am I finding in this area? And where is it going and where is it coming from? So if it's an area that seems to be, you know, along a travel corridor, you know, I'm trying to figure out, are they moving this, you know, in one direction in the evening and then the other direction, are they going and, you know, heading there in the morning? So you get an idea is, you know, trying to figure out 
is this more nighttime travel or daytime travel? So are they going more to food in the evening or are they heading or does it look like he's heading back into cover uh, potentially in the morning? And then another thing I'm really starting to focus on for this year is looking at the tracks a lot more. Looking at the number of tracks and how big they are. You know, am I looking at a potential, you know, doe family groove alone or a lone deer? Is there, if there's multiple tracks, is there one that's much bigger than the rest? Uh, or if you see a bunch of smaller ones as well, you know, keying into, you know, if you notice some definite size differences of those tracks, then you may potentially be looking at at least some bigger deer or maybe in a potential buck or mature buck in the area. And it helps too if you have multiple different tracks in the area, you can kind of compare better. If it's a lone track, sometimes a little bit more difficult to really decide, you know, if that how big of a track or if that's a more mature deer or, you know, trying to really make that decision on if you think that's a buck track or not. And then also looking for scat along those travel corridors, you know, does it look like there's any fresh deer poop on the trail or in the area? that indicate that there's been deer there in the area or if it's been quite some time. And then it's always nice being able to come across when you find some beds. You know, if that's, you know, a doe bed or doe bedding area, you know, a lot of times I find that they're a lot closer to the food sources. And you usually don't find a lot of other sign other than quite a few tracks, uh, maybe some scat in the area. And you'll find different size beds. So you'll have some smaller beds next to some bigger beds. Um, and that's, I usually, you know, correlate that to that's, that's a doe family group. And then again, looking at the tracks coming in and out of that area as well, trying to figure out where they're coming from and where they may potentially be going. Now a buck, you know, if you find a potential buck bedding area, which I've actually had some success, you know, finding some potential bedding areas this year where, you know, really just looking for a sign and, you know, basically coming across, you know, high pro or a high, uh, high number of buck rubs kind of scattered throughout, a, you know, a small area. And as I'm looking around, you know, trying to make heads or tails of the direction of the travel for these rubs, then all of a sudden I realize that, you know, there's a bed that I'm nearly standing in or, and then I look over and there's a potential another one over there. So I'm really focusing on you know, if I find a bunch of rubs in a small area and there seems like there no really rhyme or reason to it, then I really start looking for those beds. And more often than not, I've been able to find some some beds in the midst of all those rubs there. And one thing that I really try to focus on too is the access into these spots if they're potentially good hunting spots or if they're just areas of interest that I need to figure out you know, another ambush site that is more huntable. You know, it doesn't make much sense to push into an area and try to hunt some spot that, you know, either your access is very difficult or, you know, basically trying to get in there without spooking the deer. Or once you're in there, it's very easy for them to, you know, get in a bad position for you for the wind, spook, and ruin the rest of the hunt. You know, so a lot of times I'll find some good spots and I'll try to look around not really knowing a good access route. Or even, you know, then you have that high risk of potentially bumping deer before you get into that spot. So a lot of times I'll just kind of mark that on a map and just kind of sit on that spot for a while. Kind of think about it before, 
before I try to hunt it and make sure I get it figured out. You know, usually when I find a spot like that, I will, you know, just mark it and just kind of, just kind of think on it. You know, I'll study the maps more and eventually it'll start to kind of figure it out just by looking at the map, you know, just kind of sleeping on the problem really. But now a lot of things are changing. I mean, it's the pre-rut right now and we are at the doorstep of the rut. And it's certainly been noticed that, you know, bucks are up on their feet and moving much more. You know, that buck that I've had those encounters with, I mean, he is well within daylight and he is up moving around out in the open, really. And if you're out driving around in the early morning or, or getting to that dust time, you know, you really start seeing the deer are piling out, heading into those fields along the roadways. They're starting to move quite a bit. So with that, you know, really focusing on morning hunts, especially, um, I just seem to have more encounters in those morning sits than I do in the evenings, especially on the, on the public land side, you know, I really don't get much movement or at least I haven't really been able to figure out good spots to hunt in the evening, um, on the state land yet. So really focusing on some of those staging areas as well, anywhere where you see that increased sign making, you know, that's where they're going to congregate, leave a lot of sign. Multiple deer are going to do that. So those are good areas to focus on. And heading into the rut, you know, focus on those does. You know, if you have does in the area, then you're potentially in a good spot. So you want to focus on the those those bedding areas, the travel routes, and where they're going to go to feed. At some point, you know, those bucks are going to be looking for those does. So if you're in where those does are, those bucks are going to show up. And of course, you're looking at funnels, you know, anywhere where that's going to congregate any type of deer movement. So if you have a big open field, field edge or clear cut or area where, you know, there's open water or something like that, anywhere that's going to congregate or condense down that movement uh, within that cover between, you know, open areas, you know, timber between clear cuts, anything like that, you know, where you find that cover, you're going to find increased movement there. And I guess we'll get into calling, you know, calling is going to be more productive. You know, that grunt call, you know, I basically I've gone the entire season without or not having that grunt call, you know, available, you know, even, even this having those little con contact grunts, uh, just may pique the uh, deer's curiosity enough to come in, but certainly don't want to be too aggressive too quickly, you know, especially some of these bucks that, you know, that a lot of times they're not looking for a fight. So if you get too aggressive to, with them too quickly, then they're probably just going to bug out on you. And if they're a younger deer, uh, they may, uh, you know, very quickly beat feet out of the area. You know, I had that happen last year where uh, a buck basically kind of saw me, um, but I, but I kind of ducked down behind some cover and it was still trying to figure it out. So I did a couple of grunts and started coming towards me. And uh, I was just, you know, I'm not quite sure why I did it, but I ended up doing a a snort wheeze and that bug you know locked on to me and completely spun and just took off running so i think that just got a little too aggressive for that buck a little too quickly another great one to have is one of those doe bleats uh if you got like little the doe bleat, doe bleat can <laughs> uh you know that's i've had mixed results with that i've had deer come right into it and I've had deer completely ignore it and, you know, pay no regard to it. But it is a good option. It's a non-threatening uh, option to go with. So especially this time of year when some of those bucks are, uh, you know, on the hunt for a doe, you know, using that doe bleat 
may just get their attention, especially if if you're looking at some a buck that may not necessarily be a very aggressive, may come into that doe bleat a little bit easier than he would for that grunt call. And then rattling, those rattling antlers, antlers, you know, I've had success with them and then I've, you know, rattled with them and had, you know, the the opposite reaction where deer, you know, hurt them but paid no mind to it. And I've done, you know, some very aggressive rattling and have had deer come in and I've done some, you know, really gentle, you know, just kind of tickling the antlers and had deer come in. But it's just one of those things that, you know, it all depends on the mood of the deer on if they're going to come in or not. You know, one thing that I've started to focus on more is if I do, you know, hit those antlers together, especially, you know, initially is I always try to make it sound like I'm beatable. So I don't want it to sound like a couple of, you know, monarchs out there just crashing and, you know, having an epic battle. I want it to sound more like a couple of immature deer or younger deer that are, you know, sparring or getting after it to where a potentially more mature buck may, may hear it um, and want to investigate it more thinking that maybe it might just be some younger bucks. Don't know if it really helps or not, but it kind of makes sense to me. So in closing, you know, I am going to continue to focus on this buck uh, in the mornings, you know, again, with not having much success in the evenings. I think I'm going to still just kind of continue morning hunt because that's when I've seen him more consistently. And then I'm going to start moving over to the private ground uh, for my evening hunts where I know I've got a really good food source and plenty of does in the area that I can potentially be a little more consistent on knowing that food to, you know, food pattern. So I may end up getting burned trying to hunt this one buck for the rest of the season uh, or as long as I continue to have some potential encounters with them i'll continue to depress them a little bit but again with it you know trying to hunt one buck you know you're kind of limiting yourself to some of the other opportunities so that'll be the risk i'm taking for this year i guess but i do think that you know ultimately it is gonna help me in the long run you know having starting to figure out this area and being able to interpret it a little bit better figure out this buck a little bit even if I don't get them, I'll be disappointed, but I know that it's just going to make me better for next year as well. So I may end up being empty handed, but I'll have some good lessons learned along the way. So hopefully it works out. If not, again, it's not going to be a complete loss. There's always next year. So hopefully with me kind of going through uh, kind of what my struggles have been this year and some of the mistakes I've made, you know, hope, you know, if there's anyone that uh, you know, going through the same struggles or had the same mistakes as me, you know, hopefully there's some takeaways for you or some things that you can consider going forward. But even with the the struggles for this year so far that I've had, you know, best times to come. I mean, the rut is right around the corner. And I mean, your season could turn around in a matter of seconds out there this time of year. So now's a good time to start really diving into some of your best spots, especially if you got the intel that tells you you should get in there. You know, move in on that action. So if you're in a spot that you thought would be good and you're not getting any of that movement that you expected to see, or especially if you start seeing deer chasing, you know, across the way, you know, it may not be a bad idea to, you know, reset and go over where the action is. Because all it takes is this one hot doe to get to get a bunch of bucks in your area, get that deer moving and, and give you an opportunity for it. And that's it. So be safe. 
and good luck to you for the rest of the season.